This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on sportstalksc.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in. Chris is on vacation. Phil and Pat are here at our Columbia studios. Hope you've had a just marvelous, marvelous day. Rain is coming in. And the start of the series tomorrow night at Clemson is somewhat in danger. We'll find out more. We've got Mark Kingston live with us at 635 tonight. Eric Backage at 735. Coach Backage would obviously, being up at Clemson, would know more about what's happening with the weather up there. Uh, tomorrow night is the one that's in danger. I think Saturday, Sunday look okay. Uh, it could be like 2021 when the game at Clemson, the Friday night game was rained out, and then they continued with the series and then made up the rained-out game later on in the year. So we'll see what happens with that, but certainly that has kind of put things uh, a little bit up in the air, pitching-wise and schedule-wise. Clemson does not plan to announce their starting rotation until later this evening, and South Carolina is also holding back on naming theirs. So you know if it's a if everything's on schedule, the Gamecocks will in all likelihood go with their normal rotation of Sanders, Hall, and Mahoney. You know, Clemson might be a little more up in the air because of uh, the way things have gone from them lately, and they might shake things up a little bit. But I think both coaches are waiting to see what the weather looks like, and I think Kingston is waiting to see, I guess, I think he's waiting to see what happens with the pitching plans from up in the upstate. We heard from Kingston earlier today, had a press conference over at USC, and uh, no major news coming out of it, just talking about uh, the weekend series. We also met with Shane Beamer, and we'll bring you some of that at 7.05. We have a very tight show tonight. Don't know that we'll get to any phone calls. I see lines are lighting up as we speak. But we uh, just have such a jam-packed show for you tonight. Mike Morgan's going to kick it off here early. He needed an early appearance tonight. So around 6.15, we'll bring Mikey on for Mikey on the Move here on Sports Talk. Then Coach Kingston. Then uh, at 7.05, some of the Shane Beamer comments no uh, real major news there. A couple of players had some minor off-season surgery that will keep them out of the uh, spring practices, which start on the 16th. Tonka Hemingway and Kaysen Henry. Otherwise, they're in good shape. Mo Caba's looking good coming off his ACL. Jordan Strawn looking good coming off his ACL. Both should be able to participate to some degree in spring practice. So we'll hear some of that uh, tonight as well. Then Coach Backich at uh, 7.30. Uh, Jim Corbett, we will have Jim with us tonight as they have gone to the jury in Walterboro. The final arguments delivered today in the Murdoch case will bring you some of what Jim had to say about all that coming up a little bit later on as well. Plus, if we can get it in, we didn't get to Monty Lee and Dawn Staley last night. Their thoughts are still good. They're still fresh, and we'll try to get some of that to you tonight as well. So as you can tell, we are jam-packed filled up, full up to the brim tonight. Plus, we got a lot of interesting uh, news notes to get to for you as well. In fact, we'll touch on some of those here in just a moment. And uh, we got basketball going on, too. Got to keep an eye on some of the basketball games 
uh, taking place tonight as well. You got SEC women's basketball. Hopefully, no brawls there today like there was yesterday. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with women uh, getting down and getting dirty and uh, throwing down a few fisticuffs here and there if they're passionate about winning their basketball games. That's what we had yesterday at the uh, SEC. I'll tell you that already today in Ar- in uh, Greenville, Arkansas beat Missouri 85-74. So the Razorbacks, they get the Gamecocks tomorrow at noon. South Carolina in the regular season beat Arkansas by 46 points. Uh, double the score on them, or pretty much double the score. Yeah, they did double the score. I think it was 92 to 46, right? In that doubling? Yeah, 46 times two, carry my one. That's a 92 right there, boys and girls. So, yeah, uh, Gamecocks in Arkansas tomorrow at noon. Uh, Texas A&M has beaten Mississippi State 79-72 to advance. Auburn has taken an early 5 nothing lead on Georgia, and Kentucky and Alabama will be coming up later on. The uh, ACC tournament today, you've got uh, NC State beating Syracuse 83-58, and Clemson is playing right now. They are into the second day, and they're playing North Carolina. That game is just tipping off, so we'll keep you up to date on that as it uh, progresses. And uh, we got some other basketball, some other of the uh, – Lower-level tournaments, I guess you should say. Some of the lower-level tournaments uh, continuing or getting underway. We'll keep you up to date on that as well. Uh, as a matter of fact, Clemson, North Carolina, go ahead and give you a quick score there. It's 10-9 uh, in the first quarter there. 5.52 to go in the first quarter, and North Carolina leading. Now Clemson has taken the lead 11-10. to So the Lady Tigers are, are hanging in there. you got the North Carolina Central and South Carolina State playing tonight you've got uh, you've got um, uh, Charleston Southern which won last night in the Big South uh, is playing uh, UNC Asheville tonight and uh, that is that's the other local stuff that we have for you in basketball tonight so we are going to take a look at a couple of the uh, other top stories of the day before we uh, get ready for Mike Morgan to join us here in just uh, a little bit so a um, few other notes uh, that I want to pass along to you from today. Uh, Jalen Carter, the Georgia defensive tackle, turned himself in last night on those two misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and racing. He was booked at Athens-Clark County Jail uh, 11.33 uh, p.m. last night, released about 11.49 p.m. He posted a bond of $4,000 for the uh, two charges, I could make a really no, – I'm not going to make a snide comment there related to NIL and all that kind of stuff. Not appropriate, but I could, but I won't. Uh, Clemson announced today that the uh, basketball game against Notre Dame <clears throat> on Saturday night is a sellout. Now, last night in the ACC, Notre Dame did Clemson a little bit of a favor by getting an upset win and – the Tigers, right now, they are tied for fourth in the ACC standings with Duke, but they have the tiebreaker over Duke. I think it was Pittsburgh that lost last night to uh, Notre Dame. And so Pittsburgh is just a game ahead of Clemson. And then Virginia and Miami are at the top, but they have the tiebreakers over Clemson. So if the Tigers can beat Notre Dame Saturday, 
all right, to get to uh, 14 and 6 in league play. And then Pittsburgh will finish up at Miami. Okay, you gotta like the you gotta like the Tigers' chances. They would have the tiebreaker over Miami. They could finish third in the ACC, which is one of their best finishes ever, short of the year they actually won the ACC regular season when Cliff Ellis was the coach. And so, something we'll pick up on probably next week. What does Graham Neff do about Brad Brownell, and when does he do it? I mean. Do you wait to see what the NCAA selection committee says? Do you reward him prior to the ACC tournament? Do you do nothing at all? Um, is he worthy? Is he deserving of something being done to his contract? 21-9, and nine, probably going to be, well, they should beat Notre Dame. They should beat Notre Dame. Let's say they do what they should do. 22-9 and nine and 14-6. and six. Uh, he's the all-time winningest coach at Clemson. Probably has more 20-win seasons <clears throat> than anybody else. Uh, why wouldn't you uh, reward him, you know, unless he's interested in going somewhere else now? So we'll see what happens. That's going to be something to watch. That's going to be a very interesting story over the next couple of weeks as we see how the season plays out for Clemson. And as we talked about last night, and even Tim beret has been tweeting out stuff, no surprise, but Tim's been tweeting out stuff in support of Clemson making the NCAA tournament and, you know, pointing out how the Tigers have got this, that, and the other over these teams rated ahead of them in terms of uh, the number of wins. And we pointed out last night, look, they've beaten Pittsburgh. They've beaten Duke. They've beaten NC State twice by an average of 19.5 points. Uh, yet those teams in the, in the bracketology world are listed ahead of them. Yeah, now, look, if, if you just go simply by the net, then you're going to go simply by the net. Uh, Clemson's at 64, and they trail all those folks in the net. I don't know that I trust the net. I mean, really, they, they, look, at such, they look at such meaningless stuff when it comes to formulating the figure for the net, you know, like uh, you know, margin of victories, home and away, opponent's margin of victories, opponents' records, opponents' opponents' records, all these. Why not just look at what the team has done head-to-head against people and maybe give that a little more weight than you do all this other stuff, you know? Somebody at MIT must have sat down one day and said, here is a great way to figure out uh, who should get into the NCAA tournament. So we'll see what happens. They first have to take care of their business, and they um, came up short against Virginia the other night. That would have been a huge win for them. But um, take care of business on Saturday against Notre Dame, and they should be in good shape. All right, let's hit the break. When we come back, Mike Morgan will join us here. Morgan on the move here on Sports Talk. Mike's been busy. He's got the Gamecocks and Georgia on Saturday in Columbia. And, of course, uh, he had the Gamecocks the other night down in Mississippi as well when they played Mississippi State. And so we'll get his thoughts on the way these things are shaping up as far as the tournament is concerned. By the way, our phone number when we can get the calls is 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number right here on Sports Talk. And since 2002, more than $829 million in lottery proceeds have been used to fund lottery tuition assistance for students attending technical colleges in South Carolina. Learn more about the lottery's impact at seducationlottery.com slash education wins and playing for fun 
is a doggone win for education. We'll be back. Mike Morgan on the move coming up here on Sports Talk. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train receiving large game without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code B. BB5. Don't wait. Order today. Show your team pride wherever you go with Founders Federal Credit Union's Collegiate Debit Cards. Get your University of South Carolina and Clemson University debit cards at any Founders office or by calling 1-800-845-1614. Plus, our debit cards are digital wallet ready, so you can pay however you please. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Back we are on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network across the state of South Carolina. Hey, you know the summertime will be here before you know it. Had somebody call me the other day asking for the number for Jimmy Smith and James Smith Real Estate down in Pauley's Island because they want to go down to the beach for vacation and they want Jimmy to put them up in a great spot. And you can do the same thing. Now, you don't have to go come through me. You can go right to Jimmy yourself. His phone number is 843-237-4246, 843-237-4246. You'll get right to Jimmy and tell him what you're looking for, a house, a condo, whatever the case may be, something that is uh, really, really big or something that's a little more moderate for you, something for a long stay, a week or two, a month, maybe something for a weekend. He can take care of whatever you need. A lot of coaches, Gamecocks, Tigers, Coastal Carolina, a lot of other coaches take care of their business at the beach through Jimmy Smith, and you can do the same. That phone number again is 843-237-4246, online at pauliesvacationrentals.com. Your perfect beach getaway is just a phone call away. All right, it is now time for another edition of Morgan on the Move here on Sports Talk. He's brought to you by Brent Skinner. Brent has not only become the leader in Columbia for the very best in men's clothing, but clients nationally have come to know Brent, and he has you covered if you want to look your very best. Brent and his staff provide you with professional and individual attention to create a wardrobe that distinctly identifies you, from custom suits and shirts to the very best in shoes and accessories. It's all under one roof. 
If you can't make it to the Columbia store in the Vista, Brent will be happy to come to you. Set up an appointment today at bpskinnerclothiers.com. And Mike will be back in Columbia on Saturday for the Gamecocks finale against Georgia. He can go by Brent Skinner Clothiers and get a refresh on everything that makes Mike look like Mike. Mike, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? We're just doing fantastic. Enjoyed watching you the other night. Let's see. I know you did South Carolina, Mississippi State, correct? That's right. Yep. Thought I saw you there. And then did I see you somewhere yep. else? Were you somewhere else? Well, I, I well, I, I've been a few places, but I mean, the other one that you might have paid attention to was South Carolina, Alabama, which was, uh, uh, I think we talked about that the last time I was on. We yeah. did. And then, uh, I had Florida Vanderbilt, uh, I think, the following Saturday. And, of course, Vanderbilt, after beating Kentucky last night, Jerry Stackhouse's team has won seven of eight. Uh, they're as hot as anybody in the league right now, and I think one of the better stories nationally. Yeah. The tournament next week is just going to be a big mishmash. I mean, you really, with Tennessee losing their, their star guard, uh, with Kentucky looking vulnerable, with um, Arkansas – uh, you know, able to play great defense, but maybe not as as great as they normally are. Uh, Texas A and M, you know, looks kind of uh, imposing. Mississippi State can beat anybody. Uh, of course, there's Alabama. Which would you say they're head and shoulders above the field, or will they have trouble with some people? Well, I think you mentioned a couple of teams that can beat anybody. I still think Alabama is not only head and shoulders above the field in terms of talent. I think they're the most talented team in the country. Um, doesn't mean they're going to win it. We see the number one teams lose conference tournaments uh, all the time. It's it's not exactly a, a novel concept, and there are capable teams that you mentioned in this league that can do it. You know, Tennessee just lost Ziegler for the year, though. I, I already had my doubts about them offensively, and now you take away their, their starting point guard, I think that's that's kind of crippling to be honest with you. I just I don't think I don't think a final four is a realistic goal for a team that many people had as a number 1 seed uh, a few weeks ago, but I I still I still like A&M. I know they're kind of flying under the radar. Um I I still think Arkansas can be dangerous when they play together. Um and I and even a team like Vanderbilt, I mean I wouldn't want to play Jerry Stackhouse's squad right now. I really wouldn't. So I, I think there's a few teams in there that are dangerous. But you, you, the thing about the format is, again, it's just such an advantage when you're able to sit out those first couple of games. So when you've got the double bye, like the top four seeds do, I don't think anyone is going to win this thing that doesn't have uh, at least one bye, if not two. So the the, the double bye teams, to me, really have such a distinct advantage. Yeah. Let's talk about the Gamecocks. You've seen them a lot lately. You mentioned Alabama. They played them into overtime in losing. Uh, Mississippi State, they were right there until they went into a turnover fest uh, down the stretch. Uh, they've got Georgia at home tomorrow. They have not played well at home against anybody, and they haven't won a game at home this entire calendar year. So this is their last chance. But my question is, you've seen a lot of Lamont Paris You've seen a lot of the Gamecocks. You probably have an excellent feel on Lamont Paris as a coach, and now he's kind of held this team together as best he could and what he's trying to build for the future. With or without Gigi Jackson next year, what do you see 
as far as how he's coaching and kind of the culture he's trying to instill there at South Carolina? talking about this the other day and this will sound kind of crazy on the on the outset but uh let me let me try to make it sound a little more palatable Mm -hmm. uh look in a perfect world if this were 10 years ago gg jackson would come back for another year he'd only be 19 years of age he clearly has room to improve um and the nba unless you were like a kobe bryant kevin garnett type which he's not you, you wouldn't draft a guy like that in the first round. That's not the case anymore. So I don't blame G.G. Jackson for leaving, and he's going to leave. He's not transferring, and he's not coming back. He's going to be in the draft, and he's going to be selected, and he's going to make a lot of money. I don't know how much of an impact he'll be his first year or two in the league, but I do know that every piece of logic says he gone. Okay, so now... <laughs> He is, he is a, a, a fantastically uh, gifted athlete that would be a whole lot of fun to watch next year. Selfishly, I'd love to see it, but I don't think it's happening. All right, so how do you go from that to losing one of the most highly touted recruits in the history of the program to being better next, next year? They're going to get players in the portal. They're going to uh, implement a couple of freshmen as well and they're going to return some key players like Amici Johnson, like a Jacoby Wright. Uh, and I will, I will put my money where my mouth is on this. They will be a better team next year. They will win more games next year. They will be more competitive next year. Mark it down. I said it on your show here on March, what, 3rd, 2023. It will happen next season. Actually, it's Lamont March Harrison 2nd. Coach. It's actually March second. It's the second. It's the second. Well, heck, I, I'm uh, I'm predicting the future. I'm going to actually make that prediction tomorrow, right. March third. This is just a this is just a dress rehearsal, right? Right. This, right. We're, this, we're not we're not live on the air, this right? This is, is this just is the a trial. Talking. This is the trial balloon. Yeah, yeah, the trial balloon. Yeah. So tomorrow, when I'm on your show, I am going to predict that they will they will win more games. No, I mean, look, Lamont Paris. To, to answer the other part of your question. There's no question he can coach, and and I see it firsthand, and I and I see the foundation that he's building. Uh, they are. This was a no-win situation this year for anybody who had this job, anybody. But I I certainly see the direction that he's going, what he's trying to implement. I think he will implement it, and I think when he has some players, they'll be able to do more damage. So you know, it's funny. I was just talking about Jerry Stackhouse. I mean. There are people that wanted Jerry Stackhouse fired uh, the first couple of years. This is year four for Jerry, so it yeah. didn't happen overnight. Um, Matt McMahon of LSU is probably going to have the worst season of anybody in the SEC. Matt McMahon can coach, I'm here to tell you. He can flat-out coach. But it, it's year one, and the, the way it's set up right now, when you take over one of these programs, you don't have enough time to hit the portal. Those guys have already been taken. So you're just kind of you're just kind of stuck with what's left over. Uh, and unless you're somebody like, for example, Chris Jans of Mississippi State, their top four players all stayed. That is almost unheard of. That just doesn't happen. But it, but it happened there. Uh, and quite frankly, the four players that they had were better than most of what Frank had last year. I mean, there there was no Tolu Smith on Frank's roster. There was Jermaine Kusnard. Uh, so it, it's it's a different situation. It was going to be a difficult job for whoever stepped in. But I think Lamont will actually do. A great job in time. All right, got about 30 seconds. Give me your long shot for the SEC tournament next week. 
Oh, A&M. Okay. I still think A&M is a problem. Uh, and they have a bunch of veterans, and Buzz Williams is a very good tournament coach. Remember last year they made it to the championship game. I'll go with A&M. Sounds like a good pick. Mike, thank you very much. Have a great weekend uh, here in Columbia. I'll be up at uh, Clemson, South Carolina baseball on Saturday. Wow. I know that you'll be envious of that. And, sure. uh, and uh, Good luck with that. But we wish you well on your, your stay in Columbia and refreshing your Thank wardrobe you. while you're here in town. And uh, I don't know, maybe Always. run by um, Jimmy's Mart on Two Notch Road and pick up a couple of hot dogs while you're here. <laughs> I do like hot dogs. I'm not familiar with Jimmy's work, but it sounds like a plan. Oh, excellent, excellent hot dogs. And they're pretty hot in selling uh, lottery tickets, too. They, they sell a lot of big winners. Oh, good. Well, good. That sounds like a very uh, wholesome place for the whole family. All right. You have a good one. We'll talk to you next week. Mike Morgan on the move here on Sports Talk. We're on the move. Mark Kingston coming up after the break. Okay, we're back on Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network on a very busy Thursday night. Let's uh, continue on a roll here. We go from Mike Morgan to welcoming in USC baseball coach Mark Kingston to Sports Talk once again. It's the big series every year. South Carolina and Clemson getting at it. We hope tomorrow night up at Doug Kingsmore, Saturday over at Fleur Field in Greenville, Sunday here in Columbia over at Founders Park. And Coach Kingston joins us to help set the stage. Good evening, sir. How are you? Coach, are you with me? Hey, yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. We got you. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're great. We're great. Appreciate you so much for joining us. Let's begin with, I guess, the big issue of the hour, and that is what are you hearing weather-wise? I know there's going to be some weather in the upstate, maybe some big stuff. Have you guys talked a little more this afternoon, this early evening, about uh, what you're looking at and what you might have to do? Uh, nothing new since we did the press conference a few hours ago. It, it seems to be pretty status quo. As of right now, our plan is to get on the bus uh, about 1 o'clock tomorrow and head that way um, until we hear different. So I think we're all hoping if they do get rain, it's earlier in the day and it's, it's out of there by game time. Um, so as of right now, that's how we're operating. How does it work between you and any team when you're looking at a situation with weather? How do you decide when to call it, uh, and, and what is some of the determining factors that will lead to a uh, postponement? Yeah, it's, it's always the onus of the home team to make that decision, uh, especially when it's a team coming from a ways away. Um, the home team is responsible for their home field. Um, and determining if it's playable or not. So as a, as a visitor, you're kind of at the mercy of whoever the home team is and, and uh, their judgment on how much water their field can take. Um, when did you get the tarp on? There's a lot of different factors that you look at. Um, you know, as the visitor, you just you, you plan on going mentally uh, until you're told not to. So uh, most of the time, it's the, it's the home team communicating with the visitors that it's a go, come on, get on the bus and come on up, or... Uh, it's not looking good. Uh, we're going to have to reschedule. 
good thing for you is you'd be going up anyway since you're going to be playing in Greenville on Saturday early afternoon, right? So it doesn't affect your travel plans. Correct. We we will be staying in a hotel tomorrow night. Um, so my guess is we'll head that way, you know, in the hopes that we'll get to play Friday night. And if we don't, we will we'll still stay overnight and get ready to play on Saturday. So that that part of the of the trip will not change. How does a potential postponement tomorrow night affect your pitching plans? Well, I don't want to give you all the secrets, Phil, hmm. because I know I know those secrets can head up north pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> You know that's that's something we've 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 talked about that a little bit about what would our strategy be uh, if if a game got postponed or if we we're only going to play two games on the weekend. Um, we've we've bounced a couple ideas off the wall, you know, as a staff on what we could do, you know, and whether we, you know, which of the two guys still start this weekend, which one would go to the bullpen. Um, but that that's what would happen. You'd end up only starting two of the three weekend starters. The other one would go to the bullpen, and, and then it's just a matter of, you know, as a coaching staff deciding what makes the most sense, you know, who's most ready and who would be the best fit to come out of the bullpen, who's done it in the past, um, which starters do you like matchup-wise. So um, everything is always on the table when you have to make adjustments on the fly. Let me just say that looking at some probables in the game notes, it, of course, with you guys, it's Sanders, Hall, Mahoney, but like you said, whichever two, if it's a rainout, whichever two you decide to use. And – Right here, we see Clemson listing uh, Austin Gordon for Friday and Tristan Smith, a lefty, for Saturday, and then TBA for Sunday. That's just in the game notes, and we know that can be fluid, of course. How are you feeling about your team now? Look, you're 9-0, and and 9-0 and is 9-0. and and um, But do you feel good? Is it a, a, a good feeling 9-0 and for you at this point as you go into this series? Yeah, it is because – because of the manner in which we've won most of these games. Um, you know, you can be 9-0 and and, and barely squeaks by most of them. Um, but for the most part, we've taken care of business the way you should take care of business. Um, you know, we've had, we've had our share of blowouts. We had a couple close games um, that, we, that we played really good pitching and defense and, and, and scored enough and, and played the game right situationally to win a couple close games. Um, what you're going to have, it doesn't matter who's playing. If you play enough games, there are going to be a couple of close games where, you know, your line drives are caught or the wind holds up home runs or you don't get the lucky bounces, whatever the case may be. You're going to have some close games. And, we, and we've won those. We had, we had a, a game or two that was close maybe in the sixth or seventh that we were able to pull away. And then, of course, we've had our share of blowouts you know, where we're just, you know, really taking care of business. So, I think if you look at the offensive stats, the pitching stats, the defensive stats, they're all exactly where you would hope that they would be nine games into a season. Well, you have been swinging a very mighty bat uh, to this point. Team batting average of 322, 27th best in the country. I'm going by memory here. Number one in, <clears throat> excuse me, number one in home runs going into the week or after your last game uh, with 27 home runs. You're among the lead league lead the national leaders in being hit by pitches uh drawing walks you're among the uh national leaders slugging percentage on base percentage uh stolen bases i think you're perfect uh you really there's nothing really to uh pick away at from an offensive standpoint is there no but I, that being said i still think we can we can get better because horning and stone especially are have gotten off the slow starts, and I think they'll be better than they have been. Um, so I would like to see us just really 
get all nine guys in the lineup swinging the bats well at the same time because I think that will that will serve us well and that will make us an even better offense. Um, I don't expect you know some of the guys that are hitting 450. I don't expect that to continue all year, but I also don't expect uh, Stone and Horning to struggle as much as they have either. So that stuff will balance itself out. But you know. Uh, the home runs is, is, has been a very, very pleasing thing to see. I think we've already hit half the home runs that we hit all of last year, pretty darn close to it. And we know Founders Park plays a lot smaller as the year goes on because as it gets warmer, the wind starts to blow out. So I think that's been a nice development with the, with the guys we've added to the team this year. Yeah, the guys you've added, you know, the transfer guys in particular, they're, they're delivering for you. And what about Will McGillis? I mean, his first at bat as a Gamecocks, as a Gamecock, he hits a homer. Uh, he's continued to hit home runs uh, and hit for for good average for you. Did you, when you looked at him in the portal uh, and you did your scouting report on him, what did you see and are you seeing that uh, play out in front of you in a Gamecock uniform? Yeah, for sure. You know, he hit 16 homers last year. So you're talking about the guys now hit 20, 22 homers in the equivalent of maybe 65 games between last year and the nine games this year. So it's a, it's a real power hitter. It's real bat speed. It's got, he's got loft power. Um, he plays very mature on the, on the field in terms of his defense, his base running. He's a very calm, mature presence among his teammates. And he's been everything we hoped he would be. You know, obviously when his name first came across our desk from the portal, the 16 home runs stood out, but then as we dug into the kind of kid he was and the kind of leader he was on a super regional team at Southern Miss, uh, it became a no-brainer for us, and, and we went after him hard. Yeah, Caleb Denny, 37-game on-base streak, not to mention everything else he's been doing for you, 429 batting average, a couple of homers, uh, scored 12 runs. What do you like about this kid? And obviously he's given you everything you thought you might get. Yeah, I could say a lot of the same things about him as I just said about McGillis. I mean, he's we've planted him in the three-hole from the very beginning. Uh, he hits for power. He has speed. He, he, he's driven in a bunch of runs, and he also has, uh, what, five or six stolen bases. Um, and he's played really good defensively. So, again, another mature presence. It's, we just needed to add to, to the mature presence in our offensive lineup this year just so we could grind out at bats much better than we have in – uh, you know, we're, we're definitely seeing that. You mentioned the hit-by-pitches. You mentioned the walks. And then when you add power to that, that's, that's a recipe for scoring runs. And, again, I don't anticipate we'll walk or homer at quite the rate we have early. But uh, when you have mature, talented hitters, you tend, to, you tend to have this type of success. Of course, the pitching can't overlook that. We knew going into the season that your pitching could be a strength, if not the strength. I think it's lived up to the billing of 2.00 ERA through nine games. And, I mean, are you getting what you thought you would get from your arms? Yeah, and I, and I, I say it again. I, I think we can be better there. I think Will Sanders will be better than he's been. I think Eli Jerzenbeck will be better than he's been. Uh, James Hicks has been exactly what we hoped he would be. Noah Hall has been spectacular. Um, and I think Jack Mahoney will continue to get better as the season goes on because he's a guy that missed all of last year with the Tommy John surgery. So the further you get from those, those injuries, the, the better off you'll be. So uh, it's been very solid so far. And obviously a 2.0 ERA I think is maybe uh, in the top two or three in the SEC right, right now. 
Um, but I think a lot of guys on our staff can, can be better than they have. So I think that's very encouraging. All right. And uh, talking with Coach uh, Mark Kingston, South Carolina coach, getting ready for the, the series with Clemson, have you have you pretty much settled on Kate Austin as your closer or too soon to identify anybody? Well, you, if you look at the stats, you'll notice Veach has two saves so far. Uh, Matthew Becker has one, and Kate Austin obviously was our closer last year. Um, but it's uh, it's going to be a closer by committee for a little while. Um, those guys are all more than capable of doing it. Uh, Veach has been the hot hand early on for us uh, with the two saves. Uh, Matthew Becker has gotten saves in the past and has one this year, and Kate Austin has been very reliable as well. Um, and then you also look at Hicks and Jerzenbeck, who may go from midweek starters uh, to the back of the bullpen. So we'll match it up for a while until somebody really takes the bull by the horns there. Uh, to say that they have to be the closer. Otherwise, we'll kind of go with matchups and we'll we'll go with the hot hand because they're all capable. You know, I know in Major League Baseball, because they play so many games and they play each other so many times, you can look at a guy who hits a particular team particularly well and, and get him in the lineup. But uh, Michael Braswell, who's not playing a heck of a lot for you this year, did so last year, but against Clemson, he hit 615 last year as a freshman I mean do you look at that and think you know maybe I could slip him in there at some point in time and see if that continues or is that hard to do in a college setting yeah it's a lot different in a college setting you're talking about in the American League East the Yankees and the Red Sox might play what 20 20 times in a season Mm -hmm. I I think is the number somewhere in that in that uh, area Uh, three games over a weekend a year ago that's that's a little bit different in terms of a sample size and Michael's working hard and, you know, he's, he's uh, doing everything he can to get on the field. But right now, Wimmer is just playing so well. And uh, Braswell, is, excuse me, uh, McGillis is playing so well. And decroy has been well over 300 with a 500 on base percentage. It, it's just been, you know, it's, it's been a lot of competition on the team right now. And the guys that have been playing the best through the fall and the spring are the guys playing right now. But um, as I tell our guys all the time, whatever we're doing is current. It's never permanent. Uh, so it's up to Michael to just keep working hard, and if, when he gets his opportunity, make make sure he makes the most of it. Sure. Last thing from your uh, scouting report on the Tigers, I know that you know, they've lost four in a row after opening with four straight wins, and so people are like, well, they must not be very good, blah, blah, blah. But I know you don't look at that. You look at uh, at deeper stuff. What do you see in this Clemson team that concerns you the most? Well, it's a talented team. They have good arms, good power arms. You know, the Gordon kid, the Smith kid, who we'll, we'll see for sure on Friday and Saturday, those are both really good arms. They'll be in the mid-90s. Uh, so we respect that. It's an athletic team. They steal a lot of bases. They play really good defense. Um, and they're, they're left-right balanced throughout the lineup. So, um, you know, we know a lot of the names just from the recruiting process. There's a lot of South Carolina kids on that roster. So um, a lot of respect for the program, the kids on the, on the field. And so – I think it'll be it'll be very close, hardly fought ball games like it always is. All right, Coach. Well, as I said at the press conference, you and Coach Backett, you're not doing a good job with the weather at this point. I hope that improves over the next uh, few hours and we can get everything in on time uh, and we don't have to stretch this thing out like we did a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Hopefully it, it, hopefully the uh, weather agrees with us because we all want to see three great ball games this weekend. We will see you where it, whenever it's played and wherever it's played. We'll be there to cover it. We thank you so much for joining us tonight. Best of luck to you. All right, Phil. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you, sir, as always.
Appreciate it. Okay, Coach Mark Kingston joining us here on Sports Talk. And we mentioned the uh, Clemson rotation that had been announced just a few minutes ago. And I was a little bit surprised with uh, what I saw. Uh, Pat, you've seen something being reported related to the, the Clemson rotation. Let me mention again, for those who might have just tuned in and didn't hear me mention this, that uh, the Tigers are slated to start righty Austin Gordon and lefty Tristan Smith and then a TBA. I was wondering about Ryan Ammons and why he wasn't listed, and there's a story out about that. That's right. I'm seeing this here from Matt Connolly on On3.com. He's reporting that Clemson ace Ryan Ammons is not going to be available for his fr- – he will miss Friday night's scheduled start against rival South Carolina. He is not available. Do, or, I'm not seeing here any specific reason what the injury may be, but it is. it does look official now that he will miss Friday night's start for the Tigers in this big pivotal series against the Gamecocks. The lefty is currently 1-0 on the season with a 2.70 ERA. Well, you know what? If you're Clemson and you're without your number one starter and it's raining like cats and dogs. Bullpen game. No, 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 no. No, rain out. Because oh, you won't okay. play this game until later in the year. They'll have to reschedule it. Like two years ago when the Friday night game was rained out, they didn't play it until like May, I think it was, or sometime in April. My point being, if you're if you're Coach Backage, and he'll be on with us at 735, so we can ask him directly. Um you might say, okay, we can't play, and so you'll have your other two guys ready to go, and maybe you'll have Ammons ready to go when you play later in the year. Of course, as a midweek game in the midst of a conference schedule, then you might not be willing to use your frontline pitchers. Now, do you not think there would be a chance of a doubleheader in Greenville on Saturday oh, with no, that no. game scheduled for 1 o'clock? No, 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 no. Mm-mm. No, Clemson's going to have their home game. Greenville's going to have its game, and South Carolina's going to have its home game. No doubleheaders. No, sir. That's not going to happen. But when we have Coach on with us at 7.35, we'll be able to ask him about that. So uh, Matt Connolly writing that story on on Ammons. Uh, he reached out to some Clemson officials, it says here, and the response he got was um, a Clemson official declined to comment when asked about Ammons' status. So that leaves the Tigers – very inexperienced on the mound with his absence. Okay, hit the break. Be back in just a moment. Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. Hope, life, and the Great Palmetto. What do these things have in common? Scholarship dollars. The SC Hope, the Life, and the Palmetto Fellow Scholarships are funded by the lottery players of this great state. And after 20 years, you've invested over $7 billion in education. $7 billion. Impressive. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. Parents ask, 
What's the best way to save for college? I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and my answer is always open a Future Scholar 529 College Savings Account. It's easy. You can get started online with any amount. It's flexible to adapt to your child's college dreams. And you can deduct 100% of your contributions from the South Carolina state tax return. So what are you waiting for? Go to futurescholar.com and see why it's the smart, easy way to save for college. futurescholar.com. All right, sticking on the theme of the USC-Clemson baseball game, of course, the backstory here is Monty Lee, USC associate head coach, returning to Clemson right uh, after his season last year with the Tigers, ended his seven-year run as their head coach. He met with the media yesterday, and here are a few of his comments about going back up to where he was the head coach. You know, for me, I just try to pull on past experiences, and I've had this experience before. Uh, you know, coming from the College of Charleston, um, when we played the College of Charleston, when I was the head coach at Clemson, I had to experience that uh, just being in the other dugout with and playing against a group of kids that you love um, and and coaching against a program that that you love being a part of. Uh, so uh, I've had that experience before. Um, it's a little bit weird before the game starts just because, you know, as you go into the ballpark or they come into your ballpark, you see the kids and you just remember recruiting them. You remember coaching them and, and just being there with them through good times and through bad times and all those special moments that you spend together. So it's, it's really about the people more than the opponent. Uh, so, uh, but once the game starts, look, it's about, it's about our team versus their team. It's about our players versus their, their players. And, uh, you know, that kind of goes away. Um, and it's it's about the competition at that point. So I think you know really the only uh, weird I don't I don't know if weird is necessarily the right word. Uh, the thing that makes it different is just the relationships, the close relationships, and the bonds that you've had, you know, with those kids, um, you know, that that you coached uh, at your previous stops. Money, you mentioned the emotion about it. How personally do you kind of handle those emotions going into a game? And is it easier said than done in the pregame leading up to it, seeing all those guys and probably talking with them? Well, I, I think, you know, ultimately it's – I'm just not – it's it's not going to be about me. I mean, it's going to be about our team and, and, and what I'm trying to do uh, to help prepare our guys for a, for a, for a tough series. I think that's, that's my, my priority and my focus. Um, but ultimately, look, I've been blessed to coach hundreds upon hundreds of kids over the course of my career. Uh, as a coach, I got into coaching to make a difference in young people's lives and and to develop relationships with them and try to help them grow in this game and uh, and see them have success. Uh, so, uh, you know, to me, it's it's just the amount of relationships that I've had because of this game or something that's probably more special to me than anything. So, um, you know, again, when I when I see those kids, it's about the relationships that that I have with them. Uh, how much I care for them as people, even though um, we're playing against them, right? And again, um, you know, so for me, it, it, that's what it's all about. It's just about the relationships with the kids. But, um, you know, again, once the game starts and, you know, it, it comes to the competition part, you know, again, it's about their players, uh, you know, versus our players. And it's about the, the competition. It's about the opportunity for both programs and both coaching staffs to, to be a part of the greatest rivalry in college baseball. It's, it's, it's special. You know, every pitch of this rivalry weekend is special uh, to the coaches and to the players. 
um, and it, it means a lot to the state of South Carolina. So just again, just to be a part of it is a is a, is a special thing. I had to have this one circled on your calendar for a while. I mean, I know that you say that it's it's not about you, but I mean, I'm sure you're getting reminded from you know fans, friends, you know maybe family as well. Just you know, how do you how do you deal with that? Number one and number two, when you're on the field on Friday night up there, there's going to be a lot of nostalgia for you too. I would imagine. Again, I I, I just use my past experiences. Uh, that that's what I've always tried to draw everything from is my experiences that I've had over the years. Um, you know, you get those pregame jitters when you go into the ballpark, and I'm sure that, you know, for me personally, I'll probably feel a little bit of that getting off the bus and going into the ballpark. I am human. Um, you know, I'll, I'll remember all the, the great times that I had there. You know, it kind of brings back, you know, all the great memories, you know, that I had while, while coaching at Clemson. Um, but I, I've always been able to try to put all – I've been able to put all of that aside once the game starts. I mean, I, I try to remain pretty calm during the game. I'm Obviously, my job is to cheer on the players and, and uh, try to coach the players during the game. And I, I feel like I can put those things, you know, to the side and just focus on the game at hand. Um, and it just takes time, right? I mean, it just takes – over the years of just doing it, uh, you know, I – I have. We all have to remind ourselves that coaches, you know, that once the game starts, you know, we we're we're pretty dang overrated. You know, the players are the ones playing. You know, we we really don't do a whole lot, you know, during the game in terms of how the outcome of the game goes. Again, whatever decisions we make, whatever plan we have, it's about the players executing it. So, you know, my role is going to be to try to help them execute the plan to win a game, and and uh, I think I'll be you know okay. You know, once the game starts, it'll be like. Like uh, you know, like most games, it's the competition and the heat of the battle between uh, between the lines. All right, Monty Lee. As we go to break, we'll tell you breaking news out of Walterboro. The jury has come back with its verdict in the Alec Murdoch case. The jury has come back with its verdict in the double murder trial of Alex Murdoch. And the jury told Judge Clifton Newman that the panel had reached a verdict this afternoon after about three hours. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, we're back here on Sports Talk in just a moment. We'll let you hear from uh, Shane Beamer. But as we said, going to the top of the hour, the verdict is in in the uh, Alec Murdoch case. And uh, I guess they're going to be announcing the verdict here before too long. Uh, and so we'll have that for you if you're not able to find out for yourself. Of course, it's everywhere in the world. I'm sure everybody is covering it. By the way, my mistake of the night, Charleston Southern and Asheville, they play tomorrow, not tonight. Misread that. Charleston Southern won yesterday in the Big South Tournament, and they will play Asheville tomorrow in the next round. Uh, while we, uh, Before we get to uh, Beamer, let me update some basketball here as well because we've got uh, some stuff going on. We've got the Clemson women uh, playing as we speak in the ACC tournament, and they trail North Carolina 40-32 to with 9.24 to go in the third quarter. So Tigers trying to go back-to-back with wins. Robinson's got 17 
of the Tigers' points so far tonight. They're shooting, Clemson is, 50% from the field, and they've pulled within 40-34 to 34 there against North Carolina. Uh, other uh, women's basketball will tell you about. We have got, um, let's see, ACC and SEC tournaments uh, going on uh, at the SEC in Greenville. Earlier today, Arkansas was a winner over Missouri, and we'll get South Carolina tomorrow at noon. Matt Smith will be covering the USC women there. Texas A&M beat Mississippi State 79-72. And in the third quarter, Georgia leads Auburn 40-31. to Okay? And let's see. Do we have anything else? Why don't we go to the Shane Beamer audio? So Shane Beamer met with the media today. It was a... It was a long day of interviews. They brought in every transferred every transferred player who has enrolled in school and brought them in front of the media for the first time so they could be introduced and be asked questions and talked about. Then after that, Shane Beamer came in to um, give an update on how things are going with the team in the offseason. They're still two weeks away from the start of spring practice, so um, they will – We'll probably meet with him again before they get down to the nitty-gritty of spring practice. But here's what Shane Beamer, some of what he had to say, everything he had to say is on our website, sportstalksc.com. But here are some uh, important comments from what he had to say today. There's a lot of new faces, obviously, in our program right now with the incoming freshmen that are here, the new transfers that have come in as well, new coaches and staff members that have come in. So it's uh, – uh, I've said it before, we just can't assume that everything is going to go a certain way in 2023 because of what had happened in 2022. We've got a lot of new faces, and it'll be key for us how quickly we can come together uh, as a team, as a coaching staff, and how connected we can get here in a short period of time. And then add to that with the incoming guys that will be here in June after they graduate uh, high school as well. Excited about the coaching staff that we have intact. Uh, the new guys that we've added, uh, the ones that have stayed. We've had coaches on this year's staff that have turned down opportunities in the NFL, turned down opportunities in the SEC, turned down opportunities in the ACC to go up, to go places and coach. Just had one this week that turned down a fellow SEC East school. So it's great to know that there's a lot of people that are interested in our coaches. Uh, I've said it before, we've got a heck of a coaching staff here at Carolina. And when so many teams are trying to hire your coaches uh, it's a great statement about what we have here at Carolina and where we're going as well. Challenge for us, and I've challenged everybody in our football program since we came back in January, is how can we con- continue to get better, that we're not staying the same. Don't think that everything, just because something went well last year or worked well last year, that it's just status quo. How can we be better in everything that we're doing, the weight room, the training room, recruiting, coaching, nutrition, you name it, video, uh, on and on and on. So let's find ways to do things better than they've ever been done before. Really pleased with the way that our guys have worked here in the last uh, two months. It's a very workmanlike group. Uh, I know Coach Day is really excited about this group and the way they've been working in the weight room uh, and the leadership is coming together on this team right now. We've got uh, a final team workout, uh, or they lifted this morning, a final team workout tonight. And then spring break next week. So it'll be good for our guys to get away for a little bit. And then we come back right after spring break and start practice on the Tuesday uh, that we get back from spring break. So excited to get back out on the field uh, without a doubt. 
Uh, it's exciting to be going into March from a recruiting standpoint to be able to get young men back on our campus this month. February is a dead period, so we haven't had any prospects on campus since January. Uh, so now that we're into March, hot, uh, recruits are able to visit. Got a great group of guys that are planning on coming throughout the month of March and April during spring practice. And, and anyone else that wants to come, come on. We got something special going on here at Carolina and excited to show uh, prospects and their families what we have. Uh, a couple just injury updates with our guys as we go into spring practice. Uh, don't anticipate uh, Tonka Hemingway or Case and Henry being able to do anything during spring practice. Uh, both of those guys uh, had a, a surgery, a surgical procedure within the last few weeks or last month or so, nothing major, uh, just to be able to go clean up some things from the end of last season so they can be at their best going in uh, to this season. So they won't participate in spring practice, but should will be good to go as we go into the summertime when they get back for summer workouts. Uh, Jordan Strawn and Mo Kaba. We'll certainly be limited as they recover from their injuries and surgeries from the 2022 season. Don't expect uh, Mo and Jordan to be able to, to do much during spring practice, if any, but they're trying to, so we can hopefully get some stuff out of them uh, in practice. But their rehab is going great, and they look great out there. They're moving around well in the limited things that they're able to do. And then same thing with David Spalding. Probably more likely that David will be able to do something in spring practice uh, as, com as opposed or, or compared to Jordan and Mo uh, with David, potentially the last half of spring practice, we'll be able to get him out here and out on the field and get him going. But other than that, knock on wood, we're in great shape from a health standpoint. Offseason's been good, pleased with the progress we've made and excited to uh, finish up everything in the weight room this week and then kind of get into phase two for us, which is spring practice. So with that, questions? David? Shane, as Dowell has gotten in, have you and he you know, kind of come together on a consensus for – what the playbook will look like, and are there certain things that you'll have to maybe table until the summer, like until you get past the second window of the transfer portal? Yeah, um, a little bit of both of all that. Certainly, we've talked, you know, as far as what we're going to look like going forward. You've obviously got to present an offense to the players in spring practice, what that is, and there's going to be some new things that we call things. There's going to be some things that are identical to what we called them last year. I mean, there's going to be elements that we want to carry over. There's going to be elements that that you know either Dow wants to bring or that we've looked at as a staff and said we needed to be doing more of this or less of this like any any season as well certainly there will be some pieces some players that you know we 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 add to the mix after spring practice for sure incoming freshmen obviously and uh, but the bulk of it you know will be in and again it's, it's why you go out there and practice we know haven't we have an idea of what it wants to look like. I was reading some quotes from this press conference. I saw where Trey Knox said we were going to be up-tempo and go really, really fast all the time. That was news to me. Um, so I'm glad Trey, Trey and Dow have discussed that. Dow and I haven't. Um, but that's uh, that's another story. But, no, I mean, there's we went fast at times last year. But we want to see what best fits our personnel and, and what best fits us as a team, offense, defense, and special teams. But, yes, we've had some conversations. And, again, like I've said before, it's it's – uh, what can our players best execute? Uh, there's things that we did well last year that we want to continue, and there's some things that as we sit there and try and um, um, make this offense the best it can be for us that we want to do differently, whether it be terminology or how we call plays, uh, operate overall operation, things like that that we can improve on.
Do you have any kind of an update on the three guys who were suspended last month? Still not a part of our team, still suspended. Um, you know, a lot of those decisions are made. That's a university issue as well, but uh, none of the three are, are currently with us and, and uh, don't anticipate them uh, being back with us uh, at any point in the near future, I'll say. I guess, Shane, from an identity standpoint with Dow, what do those conversations look like about what your identity looks like offensively, regardless of what plays you call, what system you run? Yeah, uh, probably very similar, Colin, to when I got hired. I mean, balanced, and what is balanced? Balanced to me is not 50-50. It's the ability to run the ball when you need to run it and throw it when you need to throw it. So we want to be able to do that. We want to be able to have a to be a physical uh, offense that, that plays really, really hard and uh, has the ability to be explosive. If you go back and look at our success the last two years, Colin, I mean, it's amazing. Just look at the explosive plays. For us, that's runs over 12 yards and passes over 18. When we win the explosive play battle in games against our opponent, I mean, our record is it's like lights out how good we are. So find, continuing to find the ability to be explosive and then whatever the identity is, quit freaking turning the ball over so much. I mean, it's two years in a row we've been last in the SEC in turning the ball over. It's embarrassing. And it's, for me as the head coach, it's really embarrassing that two years in a row, no one in the SEC has thrown more interceptions and fumbled the ball, to the, given the ball to the other team more than we have. So obviously we haven't done a good enough job the last two years, starting with me, of, of coaching that. And, um, and it's two years in a row we've been, I think in 2022, we led the SEC in takeaways. Excuse me, 2021, we led the SEC in takeaways. 2022, I think we were second in the SEC defensively in takeaways, and we only missed being leading it by one turnover, I believe. So we've been dynamic on defense. Let's continue to do that. But then offensively, we've got to quit turning the ball over so much. Um, so to me, that's an identity. Quit giving the ball to the other team. Uh, run it when you need to run it. Throw it when you need to throw it. And let's continue to find ways to be explosive. Shane, you enrolled a pretty large freshman class for this January period. What have you seen from the freshman group so far, especially a guy like Pup who had that experience playing at bowl practices to now? Yeah, it's been easier for Pup because he was around us for a few weeks and it wasn't, and it's a little bit of a smoother transition. They've been great. Um, you know, I think, you know, Coach Day would tell you what we've done with our guys in January and February has been really, 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 really challenging and hard. And we've put everybody on our team in some really, uh, difficult, you know, circumstances like every team does this time of year, trying to build that mental and physical toughness and camaraderie and leadership and and finding out who you can count on and things like that. And, and they, our guys have been in a lot of situations. And the thing that I would say is just with all those freshmen that came in, the the, the moment hasn't been too big for them, you know. And I've been proud of them. They've they've been in some tough situations and they 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 fight, they battle. And uh, they, they don't look lost, you know, that's to, to, to say the least. And, and then obviously it's a different deal once we start practicing uh, a week from Tuesday, but anticipate them just continuing the, the progression that they're on right now and continue to get better. Yeah, I got two for you. How do you feel about the uh, proposals to speed up the college game and mm -hmm. eliminate some plays? And also your thoughts on uh, reports of Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC maybe earlier than expected? Uh, speeding up the game. Yeah, that was something that we discussed. We had a head coaches meeting, all the SEC head coaches. We were in Birmingham, I think two weeks ago today, if I'm not mistaken, or three weeks ago today, one, whatever day that was announced, as a matter of fact, it came out that night, uh, whenever that was. Uh, and that was one of the things that we discussed. And, and that was my first time hearing about it, to be honest with you. And, and, uh, I'm, 
I'm all for what is one continues to make Williams Bryce Stadium such an unbelievable fan experience on a Saturday because it's already elite and we don't want to lose that. We want to continue to make that the case. And if that means that these games are getting a little bit too long, then certainly, you know, I'm all for looking at ways to adjust it because there was a study done. And frankly, our games are a lot longer than NFL games, just time length and things like that. And and then certainly one area of concern is with the expanded playoff, there's a potential, I think, for teams to play, what, 17 games, I think, would be the max. If you if if you want played in a conference championship game and then, what, four playoff games, I think that's right. That's a lot of football. And when you talk about games that are sometimes close, an offense may play 100 plays, and then you times that by 17, that's a lot of football plays. So when you talk about player safety and – things like that. Those are all things that we certainly need to consider. So uh, I know it's still being discussed, but um, um, I can see why. And then in regards to Oklahoma and Texas, yeah, I think it's great. You know, I thought it was exciting that they're coming into the league, exciting for our fans to be able to take a trip to Norman, Oklahoma or Austin, Texas, and or, and for them to come here. But then also uh, the way the schedules, it sounds like will be adjusted. We're you know, we'll be able to get to pretty much everywhere in the SEC over a four-year span or two-year span, I guess is what it is, four-year span, um, that every freshman that came in here would get a chance if he stayed four years to see every every venue. I think it's uh, I think it's good. And certainly we play a really, 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 really challenging schedule every single season, and that's only going to make it more and more challenging. But I'm excited for it when it happens. And and then i got enough to worry about with 2023 right now, but you know, looking forward to getting them in here. All right, Shane Beamer, all of his comments, again, up on our website, sportstalksc.com. USC basketball coach Lamont Paris said on his radio show tonight, guard Chico Carter Jr. going to miss the rest of the season after having a procedure on his knee. He hasn't played since February 14th and averaged 9.8 points per game in 25 games. Good outside shooter for the Gamecocks, but uh, he is finished for a uh, this season with that knee injury. We're going to hit the break, and we'll be back in a moment. Don't go away. South Carolina's largest hunting, fishing, and outdoor expo takes center stage at the Palmetto Sportsman's Classic, sponsored by Farm Bureau Insurance. Come on down for a good time with over 350 vendors, dog dogs competition, extreme raptor show, kids catfish pond, and much more family fun. Hope to see you at the Classic March the 24th through the 26th at the South Carolina State Fairgrounds. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. 
Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Well, every once in a while, the real world trumps what we do here on Sports Talk. This is one of those nights with the verdict in in the Murdoch case, guilty. Sentencing will be uh, tomorrow. Uh, Jim Corbett will join us in the next half hour. I ran across this on Twitter, and it was too good not to play. It's, it's now outdated because the verdict is in. O.J. Simpson went on his Twitter today to give his thoughts on the Alec Murdoch case. Here's what he had to say. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. Well, a whole lot of people are asking me what I think about this uh, Alex Murdoch trial. I don't know why they think I'm an expert on it, but uh, I got to admit, when he took the stand, a guy who's an habitual liar, I did watch uh, um, when the trial first started. Uh, I watched him take the stand, and I uh, thought it was probably a mistake because the guy... Is an admitted liar, and it's hard for me to think he could be on the stand five, six, seven, eight days uh, without lying. Question is, what did he lie about? Uh, but lying and stealing money is a little different than murder. Uh, I realized in watching them testify what he was doing. He was just trying to relate to one or two of those jurors that he was a good old boy. He was one of them. Uh, and I'm not sure he didn't succeed in doing that. Uh, I am not qualified to to really say if the guy did it or he didn't do it. Uh, you know, if a juror missed an hour of testimony, they no longer qualified. I've missed days that I haven't watched this. Um, uh, but from what I've seen, do I think it's more likely that he did it? Yes. But more likely equals reasonable doubt. Uh, so uh, from what I know, uh, I would have to say there's a lot of reasonable doubt there. Uh, he's going to go to jail for all the thievery he did, stealing millions of dollars of people. I think he should be looked at more about the death of his housekeeper a few years ago where he ended up with over $4 million of the insurance money. Um, I think they should take a hard look at that. But it wouldn't surprise me in the least if this guy beats this case. Uh, he's going to go to jail. He's going to go to jail for all the money he stole. I'm curious there because uh, I got nine to 33 years, 33 years because I caught some guys trying to sell my stolen property and I yelled at them. Even they didn't think I should go to jail and the judge gave me, this Jackie Glass gave me nine to 33 years. So I'm trying to see what this guy is going to get. I was uh, up there with guys who had robbed casinos and robbed banks uh, two or three times, and they were they had half the time or a third of the time that I got. So I'm always curious to see what kind of time these guys get for stealing millions of dollars 
when I caught guys stealing my stolen property, the state of California, after I was convicted, ruled it was my property and they gave it to me. So I have it now. So how do you go to jail for catching guys who are trying to sell your stolen property? Well, nevertheless, I do think this guy more than likely did it. But once again, more than likely to me uh, is tantamount to reasonable doubt. Uh, it would work against him in a civil trial, but I don't know if it's going to work against him in this criminal trial. Wouldn't surprise me in the least if he beats this. I'm just saying. Take care. <laughs> he should know about beating the rap in some in some cases. O.J. Simpson had to play that. I just thought that was was too good not to play. Time for recruiting. Brought to you by Seawells. It's a roast beef Friday tomorrow at Seawells. Make sure you get out for the buffet tomorrow from eleven to two. You will not be disappointed. Best buffet in the Midlands, perhaps in the entire state. It's only thirteen dollars. 11 to 2 tomorrow and every day next week, 11 to 2. And if you need catering, the very best in the catering business, be it for a wedding reception, a birthday party, corporate outing, awards banquet, a business luncheon, whatever, call the catering experts at Seawells at 803-771-7385 online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. So last night we told you about wide receiver Jonathan Paler of Burlington, North Carolina, Naming a top eight, USC, Clemson, NC State, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Colorado, and Alabama. From his previous top ten list, he cut Maryland, Tennessee, LSU, and Ohio State. The eight he has now, he said, are the ones constantly showing love, and they have a good relationship with his parents. He told us last month USC was his favorite. He said last night. After dropping his new list, USC is still the favorite. He says the Gamecocks have done a phenomenal job recruiting him, been great in communication, talking with his father, and they are still out front. He would say North Carolina, NC State, and Clemson have started to really creep up towards them, but he said South Carolina is kind of far out front. He continues to talk to Justin Stepp at USC, but he's also talking a good bit to Clemson now as well. He has just one spring visit set up. That's North Carolina this Saturday. He will set visits with others around his track schedule. He also has got officials to USC June 2nd. I'm sorry, Clemson June 2nd and USC June 23rd. West Florence safety Kelvin Hunter said he has set an official visit, said he has set an unofficial visit to Virginia Tech March 23rd and an official visit to USC June 23rd. He also plans to visit Clemson at some point, but no date has been set. USC target athlete David Rodriguez, who USC just offered, moving up a year to the 2025 class. And we signing uh, or announcing, he said, relatively early. USC target defensive end Booker Pickett plans to visit Texas tomorrow. Offensive tackle Mike Williams of Upper Marlboro, Maryland, will be back at USC April 1st. He was in for the junior day, January 21st. He was at uh, Maryland yesterday. He'll go to Miami Saturday, Michigan State on March the 18th, Southern Cal April 8th. He's also picked up an offer from Tennessee. And safety Kamari Nix of Kennesaw, Georgia, plans to visit USC on March the 18th. And there you go with the recruiting report for tonight right here on Sports Talk. After the break, 
Clemson baseball coach Eric Backich will join us. We'll get his take on the weather. He's up there. He's watching the radar. We'll see what he thinks about things. We'll also find out what's going on with his pitching situation as we talked about that earlier. Eric Backich coming up after the break here on Sports Talk. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network, leading into the big weekend of baseball. Clemson and South Carolina, I like to call it the Palmetto Base Brawl for it all because it deserves a quality title, and that's what I give, quality titles. We welcome in Clemson baseball coach Eric Backich to Sports Talk once again, but for the first time as the Clemson head coach heading into the rivalry weekend. Coach, Good to have you with us once again. How are you? Doing great, Phil. Hey, thanks for having me. Always, always a pleasure. Uh, first of all, we had Coach Kingston on about an hour ago to get his thoughts on things, and we began with the weather report from where he's sitting, but you are at ground zero up there. What's the weather report? What do you think about tomorrow night? Uh, not, nothing that can't stop us. Might delay us for a little bit, but we'll be playing tomorrow night for sure. Now that is what we want to hear. So you feel really confident we'll be playing tomorrow night? I do, yep. The field set up well, draining well, no problems there as far as you can tell? No, we've had, we've had the tarp on it all day and expecting some rain, you know, tonight to tomorrow. But, you know, I, I'm not a, <laughs> not a forecaster, but it looks like it's going to be out of here by tomorrow evening. Might be one of those peel it and play kind of days, but uh, all all indications on all apps and looking at everything that we can possibly look at, it looks like the rain will be out of here tomorrow night and, you know, may not be able to start right at 6 o'clock, uh, but we'll we'll see if we can. If we can, we will. Mm-hmm. If not, and we need to push it back a little bit, uh, I don't think either team will have a problem with, uh, with playing a little bit later, but we're going to get that game in tomorrow night. That's good to hear. Good to hear. What is going on with your pitching situation? Notice that uh, no Ryan Ammons in your uh, rotation released this evening. Can you fill us in on what's going on there? Yeah, it's just a, a precautionary thing with some with some soreness and tenderness. Uh, but we've got Austin Gordon going tomorrow night with Tristan Smith behind him. We've got uh, Sunday listed as TBA, and you know just just kind of looking at uh, you know all all hands on deck and. Uh, you know, kind of shifting around some roles to, uh, you know, to do whatever we have to do to come out on top tomorrow. When did Ryan start feeling not right to where you had to set him down here for a little while? It was just something that had developed uh, after his start last Friday. And, you know, we, we're going to need him for the long haul, obviously, and um, doesn't look like anything that's going to have him out long term. So, you know, just, just more – you know, more playing it safe, and hopefully we'll get him back here uh, as quick as possible. All right. So you guys started out 4-0. and uh, You've lost your last four. You're 4-4 and coming in. But how are you feeling about the team? I mean, a four-game losing streak is never something you want to have to deal with. But uh, as you look at the overall body of work, how are you feeling going into this weekend? 
Yeah, the the last four games have obviously been been very disappointing. Uh, the UCF series, the game was tied after six in all three games, and those were three losses that uh, you know that we suffered at the end of the game. And and uh, I thought we had a chance to uh, really blow the game open early against South Carolina Upstate. You know, and those are those are quality opponents. You know, that's that's one thing we've done is is. Uh, you know, the last four games have been against good teams, and uh, we just, we unfortunately have not played our best baseball, uh, but told the team to stay positive, and uh, we will utilize, use this adversity to our advantage. It's something that's going to be good for us. We'll toughen us up and teach us how to respond, and uh, going into a rivalry weekend like this, you know, it doesn't matter if we're 8-0 or 4-4 or 0-8, it's, you know, the best the team that plays the best is, is going to win in a rivalry weekend. I remember this series all too well, even though it was 21 years ago, and it followed it very closely over the last 21 years. And uh, it has always been heated. It has always been a battle. Uh, we know South Carolina has a great team, 9-0. and They've taken care of business. They've got power hitting. They've got power pitching. They look like a, uh, a balanced, complete team, and we're going to have our work cut out for us. And we're going to have to play well and certainly play much better than we've played the last four games. How do you think your two announced starters right now, a couple of young guys, will handle the pressure of that moment of the big rivalry game and, and getting the ball Thursday, I'm sorry, Friday and Saturday, based on what you've got right now? How do you think they'll handle the pressure of that moment? I think they'll handle it great. It's what we've trained for. It's what we've trained for you know, really since day one, uh, we've talked about respecting this rivalry and giving this rivalry the respect that it deserves. And the way you respect a rivalry is your preparation. And we have prepared for this. You know, this is not just a week of the South Carolina series. This is something that's just a part of our program. It's ingrained in the foundation of our program. We feel like uh, like like the fans on both sides feel like like this is the best rivalry in all of college baseball, and we have prepared for it and trained for it um, to to respect this rivalry in that way. So um, you know, I know college baseball is better when Clemson and South Carolina are two of the top teams in the country. It makes for a great rivalry. It makes it's great for our state, and uh, and it's great for college baseball. So uh, we've been preparing for it since day one. Uh, regardless of what age the guys are that are pitching and playing in it, uh, they'll be ready for it as well. Talking with Coach Eric Backich of Clemson about the USC and Clemson series uh, coming up this weekend and you know, looking at some of your offensive numbers, the left side of your infield certainly delivering Blake Wright at shortstop and Benjamin Blackwell third base, both hitting over 400, and then the freshman behind the plate hitting 424 and Caden Grice at 333. But you're not getting a lot of power just seven home runs thus far. Is that? Did you expect going in that this was going to be a team that would not hit, might hit for some average, but not for a lot of power? Or is the power eventually going to show up? I think I think this is a team whose power is definitely going to show up. I mean, we've got we've got guys like Caden Grice who uh, have massive power potential, and um, <clears throat> you know we've we've done a really good job you know, highlighting some strengths in other areas. We've weaponized our speed. We've done a much better job of battling with two strikes, cutting down on the strikeouts, putting more pressure on teams, and and the power will come. Uh, That's just something that I think is, uh, as we get into the season, um, we'll we'll start to slug a little bit higher and, 
you know, our guys have just done a good job of, uh, you know, especially those first four games of, of battling back and, and uh, being able to utilize, you know, different weapons, whether that's uh, a bunt or a, a steal or extra 90s or a hit and run. Uh, but we definitely want to want to slug and we want to do damage and we want to get our best swing off with less than two strikes. And uh, I would say that those, those power numbers are definitely coming and the best is yet to come with some of these guys, especially. Well, you're, Team batting average is three eleven. That's excellent. But you mentioned the the base stealing. You're you're six nationally, twenty eight stolen bases, caught only twice. So are you just are you giving your guys most of them? Maybe not all of them, but are you giving most of them basically the green light when they when they get on base? Guys, go for it when you when you think you have the opportunity. Some of them do, yeah. Some of them we we it's not, we work on base running every day, and we work on base stealing every day. It's just you know we want to pride ourselves on running the base as well, and you know those have also been we've been aggressive and sometimes overly aggressive and ran into some outs. So I think we'll even get better uh, at that part of our game as well uh, as as the season goes. It's just one thing that we prioritize is growth and improvement. And when you're on that track, there really is no finish line. It's just, it's constant. The target is constantly on improvement and constantly on growth. And, you know, that, that type of mindset has allowed some of the teams I've been able to coach in the past to, to surge and continue to get better as the season goes on and have that surge uh, late in the year when it means the most. And so hopefully this, this is one of those teams that, keeps improving and keeps improving and improves in all areas. Uh, but we, we have been able to uh, utilize the speed and the extra 90s and, and run into base as well. Uh, but we, we certainly uh, even have more room for improvement in that category as well. How I know it's young. It's a small sample of just nine games, but your freshman catcher, Cam Canarella, 424 batting average, seven runs batted in for you, a double, a triple, uh, what do you like about him? Is he a, is he the complete package at catcher can hit and is also a good defender? He is the complete package. He's actually playing center field for us, uh, but he has got a slow heartbeat for a freshman. He's got a good left-handed swing. He's one of those throwback baseball players that just can hit line drives from the left field line to the right field line. He's got good speed and just the, the poise for a young kid, the poise for a freshman. He's, He's able to stay neutral and doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, and just finds a way uh, what feels like uh, with the unique ability to just stay centered. And that, that, that ability is, is a unique mental toughness that he's got about him that you don't see commonly in freshmen who emotionally may get high and low at times, but he's, he's done a really good job of being able to stay centered. And I should apologize to Cooper Engel. My bad, I misread my notes here. Uh, I saw the C, and I was thinking catcher, not center fielder. But still, freshman center fielder coming in and playing that well for you, that's that's impressive. And and Cooper Engel's a veteran guy for you behind the plate. He had such a good season offensively last year. Maybe not quite the start offensively that he had last year, but a, a solid guy for you behind the plate. Yeah, and he's a guy that I would say he's he's maybe having his best offensive year. And the thing that doesn't show up in the stat sheet is about eight lineouts that he's hit on the screws. Mm. And I mean, just 
as hard as you can hit balls over 100 miles an hour that uh, it seemed like every ball that he hit against UCF was right at somebody. Uh, but that's one of those guys that the stat sheet doesn't tell the story because uh, his quality at bats are over over 60%, which is which is very good. It's an elite category. We try to shoot for 50% quality at bats, and he's over 60. And uh, he's a phenomenal hitter. Another guy that's a throwback that just has the ability to go line to line and spray the ball around, and also hit for power. Uh, he hit a home run to the pole side. He hit a home run right down the opposite field line. Uh, but just a gamer, a gritty player, um, and just one of those guys that he we really like him setting the table and, and hitting in that leadoff spot just because his his plate decisions are really good and the quality and the consistency of his contact is also really good. Well, we're looking forward to being up there tomorrow night and seeing you guys in action. We're going to hold you to your word that uh, there will be baseball tomorrow night at Doug Kingsmore. So, um what is it? Cross your fingers and uh, uh, pray. What, sane and who was it? What's, what's the saying? Um, the old pitching saying. Sane and uh, who were the two great pitchers? I know. Come on, coach, help me. Bail me out here. It's. Uh, oh well, I don't. So, I don't know if I know the saying, but you can just bank on we're playing ball at Doug Kingsmore tomorrow night. It just may be a little later than what's on the on schedule card, but we're playing, and everybody. Uh, everybody can be assured of that. Uh, so we're going to do everything in our power to make sure we play ball tomorrow night. And it looks like, just looking at that forecast, that it may be a little later, but we're playing. Uh, very good. Something insane and pray for rain, but I'm going to pray not for rain tomorrow night. And let's let's get the pitching on the mound and, and get going. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, have a great weekend. Look forward to being there covering you guys throughout the weekend, and we'll talk to you again. Yes, sir. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. As always, thank you very much. All right, Coach Eric Backich joining us tonight from Clemson. Appreciate his time with us. What is that doggone something insane and and pray for rain? But we're not praying for rain. And Coach Backich has said they're going to play baseball tomorrow night, so you can make your uh, make your plans accordingly uh, around that. All right, we thank Coach for being with us. And, again, he tells us Ryan Ammons is out this weekend, got a – a little bit of a arm thing going on that they're just uh, holding him out, but it's not believed to be anything serious there, and they expect him to be back uh, in the near future. So that's why he was not part of the rotation. Okay, uh, let's go to our break, and when we come back from the break, Jim Corbett will join us. The verdict is in. Guilty. Two counts of murder. Alec Murdaugh. It did not take the jury there at Collington County in Walterboro very long at all. For coming to that conclusion that he was guilty of those charges, we'll get Jim's uh, take on that to wrap things up on a busy Thursday night edition of Sports Talk. We'll be up at Clemson tomorrow night, so we'll see if there's ball going on while we're on the air or ball taking place a little bit uh, after we go off the air. We shall see about that. We'll be back after the break. George Bryant for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor. David Abernathy has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? 
transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces, and the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Parents ask, what's the best way to save for college? I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and my answer is always open a Future Scholar 529 college savings account. It's easy. You can get started online with any amount. It's flexible to adapt to your child's college dreams. And you can deduct 100% of your contributions from the South Carolina state tax return. So what are you waiting for? Go to futurescholar.com and see why it's the smart, easy way to save for college. Futurescholar.com. All right, a couple of quick high school championship scores for you. Uh, North Augusta defeats Westwood for the girls 4A state championship 42-29. So North Augusta wins the championship. 4A boys game is at halftime. Reading tweets from uh, our man Chris Deering, Irmo leads Lancaster 32-9 at the half. Lancaster has missed its last 17 shots. And so Irmo, well out in front, Tim Whipple on his way to another state championship. All right, final minutes of the program. Our buddy Jim Corbett joining us here, great attorney in Columbia, and he's been uh, providing us with insight on the trial, which is now over. Quick verdict, less than three hours, Jim, guilty on both counts. What was your reaction? Well, uh, it was quick, and I was expecting a little bit more. Um, when I heard that the judge uh, Newman was going to give the jury until 10 o'clock tonight to deliberate, he was given the opportunity to get it over with if they felt that they could, and they did um, very quickly. Um, you know, I saw some criticism about the closing arguments um, the, um, of both sides, and I, I thought a little bit about that. And, you know, Creighton Waters went long, but I think that the, the obligation of the state to prove their case made him required him in a circumstantial evidence case to go long. And I started thinking, you know, about the defense and what they were doing. They have the op- they have the opportunity to go as long as as the as the judge will allow them, which is, you know, in this case, gave a lot of leeway. Um, you know, what six hours for the closing arguments, for the the, uh, the prosecution total, including rebuttal. And I found myself thinking they're trying to rebut everything because they feel they have to. Every little thing they've got to have a take on, and it's almost like Alex Murdoch's testimony, his story. For every little thing, he had to have a reason that helps. Um, you know, and sometimes in, 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 in trials and, and in cases, you know, like I tell some of my clients going to depositions, you're not supposed to have a perfect story because nobody lives a perfect life. I mean, you can't, you don't sit there and live your life to create the story so that if something bad happens to you, you can file a lawsuit and, you know, prove it in court. And maybe that's part of what 
what set the jury was he seemed to try to have an answer for everything. Now, someone could say, oh, that was something he decided afterward because he was real nervous, because he ought to be a suspect, because he didn't trust law enforcement, because he's on drugs. You know, there's something to be said about that, and you can think it through. But in the end, you know, stuff like that, I think, sits with the jury and they say, you know, what's the phrase? He doth protest too much, mm. you know, from Shakespeare. So um, so I, I, I was a little surprised by the quickness of it. Um, I found myself <clears throat> looking at the testimony earlier this week and seeing that there's rebuttal witnesses, which is after the defense presents their, their points of view, whatever was raised new by the defense, the prosecution can bring a witness to try to rebut that. And then, of course, the defense has a chance to ask a few questions. There's at least one witness where the defense attorneys on the cross-examination of the rebuttal witness went longer than the prosecution. And it's like they're trying to disprove everything that was being said that didn't agree with Alex Murdoch's story. And I think that that might have, have, have you know, been been a factor in the jury's reason because they have to, because if they don't do that, then it all seems to make sense, even though it is all circumstantial. So those are a couple of things that, that, that struck me um, about, you know, this week and the, the rebuttal and then um, the uh, the closing arguments. Now, going to Moselle is unusual, and I'm sure you picked up on that and heard it, but it does happen. You know, and uh, typically it is in something like a murder case when the scene could be helpful to the jury. And I think Judge Newman uh, stayed in open court if either side asked the jury to go there. We're not going to have some sort of debate among the jurors are going. Hmm. Um, and, um, you know, and today the state of South Carolina got lucky today that the people in Collin County, especially the clerk's office got real lucky today. You know, that that juror was dismissed. There was a juror who was dismissed for having, I think the judge cited three conversations with someone about the evidence in the case that it could have been innocuous and it could have been unintentional, but that was a grounds to remove her. If she had, I think it was a she, had done this and not it not be known until after the verdict came out, it's grounds for appeal. Um, so I think that's another thing that, you know, we got, uh, we as a state got lucky because that's not going to be the reason why the, the Supreme Court sends it back for another retrial, mm. uh, you know, because they found out and she did not take part in the deliberations. And, you know, what did I say three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Every time they go out, the judge says, don't talk about this case. Mm-hmm. Well, Last day, she ended up doing it. So, but you know, that's why he picked so many alternates. You know, he picked what? Uh, how many was it? at least three alternates to sit there? Usually, in a, a typical civil civil case or even a criminal case, you have one, sometimes two alternates. But there were more than three. I'm sorry, there were there were four or five of them. I can't remember how many. Um, and everyone's going to be start talking, thinking about appeal, right? Right, Phil? You want to know? Hey, can they appeal it? Right? Can they appeal? Yeah, I mean, that's what you're thinking. And, and it's, <laughs> the appellate process is misunderstood a little bit. Um, when you appeal a case, you're not appealing directly a jury's verdict. You don't say, oh, they just got it wrong. First of all, you can appeal if there's an improper juror selection. Pick someone based on or exclude someone based on race. Somebody has an opinion that they didn't or uh, prior knowledge they didn't disclose to get on the jury. Um, but after that, it, you're, you're appealing rulings of the judge. The judge let in some evidence he shouldn't have didn't let in evidence he should have. And then there's the directed verdict stage. Remember at the close of the prosecution case, the defense stood up and said, you got to throw this out, Judge, because there's not enough evidence to go to the jury. Judge Newman disagreed and said there's plenty of evidence if they believe it. That's how you indirectly question the jury's verdict. You say the judge at that point should have noticed that there was not known, that there was not enough evidence for a jury to find the defendant guilty, except if the jury was acting out of prejudice, caprice, or passion. Caprice is 
C-A-P-R-I-C-E. Mm. And I'll have to look it up to tell you the exact meaning. But that's the phrase you'll see in any kind of pleading um, uh, on appeal. All right, let me, let so, me ask you, I want to ask something real quick. we got about 45 yeah. seconds. So in your right. opinion, for those of us who are not informed with the workings of the legal system and the law, we're just common citizens and we've been watching this from afar, should the average person feel satisfied that the jury got it right? I think so. It wasn't a five-minute or an hour-long deliberation. It was three hours. And that may seem real quick after a six-week trial, but maybe there's just too much evidence to ignore. Um, I, you know, I think any jury that sits there for six weeks and doesn't go crazy mm. <laughs> needs, a, needs a standing ovation. Yeah. <laughs> so so may- I, 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 would, I feel confident. You feel good that they did their job and they did it properly. Yeah, the jury, yeah. I mean, I think they had plenty of time. And if you looked at the, the, the examination, the cross-examination, and what the judge was allowing, he was allowing everybody to to get their points across as best they can. And the long, long um, closing argument, I think I, I'd be satisfied the jury did their job. They listened to everything and listened to it again. Yeah. Jim, thank you so much, my friend. We really appreciate your uh, contributions. Have a great weekend. We'll I see you soon. I did. I hope someone learned something. Nobody Thank else you. did. I certainly did. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Talk to you again. Thank you. Clemson women are going to lose. They're down 68-58 with 38 seconds to go. That'll do it. See you tomorrow night from Clemson. Have a great night.